Welcome to the Spitball Sessions. Prepare to enter the world of mechanics, the future of game creation, the evolution of design. With your two hosts, Josh Noyes and Luke Boulay, this is the dawning of the new age of remakes. Good morning slash afternoon slash evening slash night, ladies and gentlemen, where depending on wherever you are, when you hear this, and welcome to Spitball Sessions, where you must feature games in order to complete your games. My name is Josh, and I'm the now owner of SpitballSessions.com, the new home of the Spitball Sessions podcast. I'm joined, as always, by my friend and site designer, Luke. Luke, is the site done, or am I going to have to beat you up? You're probably going to have to beat me up. Okay. The, the site's technically done, but there's still some visual things they want to do with it. I'm sure I can find a reason to beat you up. You so we'll, always <laughs> do. I, I know. Anyway, uh, today we're talking about... Well, last week we talked about roguelike, or last episode we talked about roguelikes, and that got me thinking about the game Road Not Taken, and... Um, oh yeah, we should probably reset what this podcast is about. This podcast is about ideas and concepts and pitch, pitch handling... And us taking the ideas and pitches that we have. Basically, it's an excuse for us to talk about things we like. The game pitching isn't really a thing. We like, it's, it's sort of a fake joke that we've been pulling off for 20 episodes. Uh, so really the joke's on you and on us for doing this podcast for 20 all episodes. Uh, anyway, so we were thinking about The Road Not Taken. Uh, so we were talking about The Road Not Taken last episode, which is a roguelike, a puzzle roguelike, let's say. Yes, yeah, definitely puzzle roguelike this is where I'd go with that. Yeah, and one of the things that I was thinking about that I really find really interesting about The Road Not Taken that I haven't seen, and I guess it's in other games, but not quite in the same way as it is in The Road Not Taken, is the idea of sort of learning the game's rule set as you play. And for those who haven't played um, Road Not Taken, basically, if you, it's... It's by the guys who made the game Triple Town, which is a an iOS, which was started out as an iOS game. It's basically a form of a match three game. It's not quite, but it's, it's close to that. Yeah, Spry Fox um, yes. actually kind of made a name for themselves making, originally, I think they made the Congregate game Steambirds, and yes. that became an, uh, a mobile game down the road, and they've been developing interesting mobile games since. Yeah, yeah I, I, Triple Town was, I think, the, Triple Town was, I think, the one where like they actually sort of became, became popular. Yeah, went viral. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Road Not Taken came after that and is really so much bigger than any of their pre like it's 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 a I I think Triple Town is a very fun game, but it is definitely a mobile game. Whereas, Far more casual than yes, Road Not Road Taken. Road Not Taken feels like an actual like hardcore roguelike game. Um, and it, you know it has a story, and it has seasons, and it has levels, and it has so much depth. And it has to a it. lot of depth to it in a way that I think Triple Town is a very is like immediately straightforward. Yeah, um, I love it, but it is very straightforward, and so it's really interesting to see sort of how they've progressed over the years. Um, but so one of the things that happens in this game is um, a lot of the puzzles are built around. Uh, you have to unlock certain doors. Like it's basically like there are multiple let's say rooms, each of which has an assortment of garbage in them, as well as yep. some kids that you want to get to their, their parents. And then that's, that's the ultimate end goal is getting a certain number of children to their parents or parents to the children. But in the meantime, there's things like trees and sprites and fairies and rocks that change color and heavy bears rocks and, and bears bees and, and bees and statues and beehives and all sorts of things. And depending on like, because they, you know, because they made triple town, which is a game about, combining multiples of things together to make 
different things. It's, it's basically a, an adaptation of that mechanic where if you combine, say, uh, two flame sprites and a wind sprite together, you get like a blue flame. And if you combine three fire sprites, flame sprites together you get, you, get a, you get an axe and if you yeah. find an axe in a tree you get a chopped tree or you and, get a log. well yeah you get a log from the tree and the axe remains right so but you can also get all of these re- like you can learn these recipes either by doing that or by talking to the people and giving them uh, yeah as giving you, them stuff as you play the game you unlock new understanding of how things function yes and the interesting thing about that um which i think really sets it above is Unlike a lot of the games that follow that kind of match three mechanic, even as complicated as as complicated as this game is, yeah. the the thing that makes it really great is that it, it introduces some seriously good roguelike mechanics in it that does. you control a single character on the board at any given time yeah. and have to position him in an effective way to make best use of what you're combining. Yes. I, I, I called it, I think when we did the, uh, when we did the last episode, I think I basically called it like a Sokoban, um, roguelike, which I still, well, let's uh, before you go any further, okay. cause you do this a lot and I should really stop you when you do this is what does Sokoban mean? Okay. So Sokoban is a, is a ser- was a series of puzzle games from Japan. Uh, I believe it literally means like boulder pusher. It's, ah. it's like the old, uh, like legend of Zelda has a lot of these kind of puzzles where you have right. to, or, or chips challenge had a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where you have to like, push rocks to make path pathways for yourself and it was it, in in sokoban it is oh i think it's like box pusher actually it's like box warehouse or something yeah um, I, I guess a good example of one of those puzzles might might be i'm probably wrong here actually uh in uh, mario 64 and the lava level there's a actually you don't control it but it's sliding panels that yeah i, I think dodge. like Ze- uh, legend of zelda that had a bunch in um Link to the past where you had to like yeah. slide ice blocks around to yes. open up new pathways. Yes, I remember that. The Yeti stage. Yeah. And I guess it's the ice. And Twilight temple. Princess also had them, yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, and Sokoban is, is sorry, yeah. So- Sokoban is, is sort of a, a very classic game. So I keep, I, I always assume people have, have heard of that, but you're right. Some people probably have not. But At least they don't understand, they don't recognize the. Right, fair enough. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's sort of like that where you're throw you're picking up and throwing things and moving them around to try to get them into the right. So it's, it's, it's both about combinations and about positioning. Right. And, and what is the major challenge to positioning and moving and throwing? Is the fact that you're a person and that you will pick up all things on all things on all four sides of you. And? And that certain things can't be picked up if they're touching other things. And? I don't know. <laughs> The fact that every time you pick up and move something, you actually expend some of your oh, well, energy. That's, I mean, that's that's the overarching thing, yes, is that you want to do that as little as possible because uh, moving around will kill your energy. That part we did actually discuss uh, last episode. Last time, right, yes, yes, but what, we want to make sure that this want, sounds like an independent podcast. You're right. That should be established. Yeah, so that's that's sort of the, the, the overarching challenge is that you have a limited amount of, of movements, let's say, to with which to do that. Yep. Um, they, they actually stack even more on it where – Certain rooms don't take cost energy, and certain rooms cost energy just to Actually, move. Yeah, one and... of the things is, is, is so uh, one of the most common combinations, and one of the first ones I noticed actually watching other people play this game is so you you combine three fire spirits yep. and you get an axe. You use that axe to cut down three trees. You combine the logs from those three trees and you get a campfire. Right, that campfire makes it so that you do not expend energy in that room. Right, 
to move other things around. And you can move it to another room. The problem is if you put it in a room with tree, or if you put it next to a tree, that tree catches fire and burns Also, down. if you try to pick it up and move with it in held, it will burn you. Yes, but you can pick it up and throw it without Yeah, you can pick it burned. up and throw it safely. But yeah, so you'll get you'll get injured, but also if it's touching a tree, it'll damage the trees, and then you can't use them for solving some of the puzzles. So yeah, this is this is the other really awesome thing about it. Every single item has different behavior. Yeah. And they don't tell you what the behavior is out of the box until you learn it. Yeah. Well, if you walk up against a, uh, if you bump up against an object, you'll get a little like tooltip, little yeah. short paragraph about about it. And it doesn't even tell you everything that will happen. It kind of gives you hints about how they interact with other things. And then suddenly you realize that if you put fire next to a tree or throw fire up against a tree, the tree catches fire. And that's the only way you'll know that a tree catches fire when you throw a log against it exactly. is by, by doing, which is, I guess, the major point of this specific podcast. Right. That was, that was, that was sort of what I wanted to talk about was, the, was that, A, you learn combinations as you go because you don't start out knowing any of them. Um, so you have to find those as you go, but then also you have to learn about the behaviors of the items as you're using them. And sometimes they're filled in by giving gifts to the villagers, and sometimes if you bump up against an item, it'll tell you what it is. But you know almost nothing about the world, which makes sense. Like, you're you're a new character, you're new to the job. And you can't just look it up. You Well, I mean, you, I mean, you could look, look it up, up in, a like, a wiki or something like that. And the really cool thing about that is there's so many different items. Yeah. And new ones are introduced every single season. Right. And then... Some of them are very dangerous. Some of them are very dangerous. And sometimes interactions that you don't even expect could potentially create super lethal situations. Yes. Um, which really makes it scary. Yeah, I actually had one where I got bitten by something that teleported me to a room where I literally could not get out of. So I had to teleport back to the mayor and then solve three other puzzles to get into that back into that room so that I could then get back out of that room so I could get back to where I originally needed to be, at which point I immediately got killed by something. But that's not really the moral of the story. The moral of the story was the other half of that, which was the uh, things having unexpected consequences. Yeah. But yeah, so that was, that was sort of something I wanted to talk about because I haven't, I mean, We've seen similar ideas in in con in in principle, I guess, such as like, you know, I think one example that that I've seen a couple of times is like um, the Metroid Prime uh, logs, where you scan enemies and you get some more input. Yeah, where you get some more input, but I don't think that really it doesn't quite. I mean, that's mostly backstory. Yeah. So I'm not necessarily sure that's the same in terms of games that I've actually played that that do stuff like this. I mean, Infinifactory kind of does. There's a little of that. And although that mm. one almost does it as a joke because it tells you how the blocks work after you've learned how to use the blocks. Right, Which is yeah. such a bizarre... Which, it really fits into the nature of that game, but is such a bizarre commentary on it that... Yeah, that, that it almost feels like a intentionally parody... I, I imagine it is actually an intentional parody of the concept. Yeah. Of, of of games that tutorialize too much. But the thing is, like, in Road Not Taken, it doesn't feel like in a, a long-term... Ex like, in Infinifactory, it feels like a commentary or a joke on, like, the excessive over-tutorialization of games. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that's the thing we need to make clear about Road Not Taken, is it doesn't feel like an extended... It doesn't feel like an extended tutorial. Like, the, the book that you were filling out of the combinations is not this 
long-term extended tutorial it is literally one of the major components of the game like this is not them teaching you how to play this is you learning about the world as you play Uh, the actual way that you play the game is by by discovering new combinations and how they can affect you in the world I i would actually say ironically because these two are so are i would actually say in one way they are very similar but in most ways they are so so far apart is a little inferno yeah i I would say little inferno in many ways is probably the closest other game i could think of to this because it is all about unlocking the stamps which you do by finding the weird combinations that fit certain things and in its weird sort of dark tone and the almost like deliberate subversion of the story like the two feel very similar but gameplay wise i mean little inferno is very different i i would say that even more so than a walking simulator it's not really a game it's a fireplace it's simulator. a fi- it's literally a fireplace simulator it's i love it although i will say the first time i played that game i was so creeped out by it because i kept <laughs> expecting the face in the back to like open like its eyes or something oh you can no- get it to open its eyes oh can you oh yeah oh that's not cool <laughs> you did you never finish the game Oh, does it right at the end? Uh, um, um, when does it do that? There's a certain item that does. So, so in the game, and we're throwing in yeah, a spoiler alert right here. Yeah, sure. For a little inferno, uh, to complete the game, you have to get four specific items that are hinted at in the yes. storyline in the fireplace and burn all four at the same time, and that causes the little inferno fireplace to explode. explode. Yes. Um. I don't remember. Oh, maybe it did, but I like I expected it to like open those, it, like like start doing like spike. Well, that's like, the thing. Mess with you. Those four items specifically each cause the fireplace to to the the face of the back to interact with the items in some way. Like as uh, an example, the sunglasses you can put them on the face and they stay there. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. And there is one specific thing. Actually, I, I take that back. I think what it is is when you complete. All, when you burn all four, the eyes open and they glow white, and then the thing explodes. Oh, maybe I did. Okay, maybe I did. But I, I expected it to Which be is like, very creepy, I, I will admit. It was, but I think by that point, yeah, but like I, I spent the whole time like expecting it to do something really creepy, and then it never. Like, I got, I got the good ending, and I still didn't notice that it. Like, it didn't feel creepy to me at the time, but yeah, the first time I was. Like, the whole well, first have, time I expected it. Some of those to things, do if you don't know, you don't pay attention, you won't notice how they interact. Like, the, the jar of bugs is one of the, one of the items as well. Uh, and when you break the jar of bugs, the bugs fly around, and the way they exit is the face actually opens its oh, mouth. Oh, yes, I do remember that, yes. Well, and I they don't fly think, in. I it's don't think, weird. I don't think my jar of bugs ever got out. <laughs> <laughs> I think I may have set the bugs on fire. <laughs> you might have. So, yeah. I, I, have, have I mentioned that I really, that, that I'm, that Little Inferno is possibly the game that has most saved me from going down the path of arson? Arsony? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the funny thing about about that is is there is like a couple of major differences, and the first thing is is Little Inferno is far more um, simple. simple and casual. Is actually the word I was going for. Um, simple and casual. It's a great game. It's fun to just sit back and burn stuff. Yes, yes, it is <laughs> very much so. But um. it doesn't. It's it doesn't have that level of depth that you. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's kind of. 
It's interesting though because I think what really makes it stand out is is the level of depth and and the interactions. I'd say something that comes kind of close in a in a strange way would be more like Dwarf Fortress mm. in, in the way that the physics interact, and you can get interesting results just by the by how unstable the current build is. Like as an example of that, I played an adventurer and um, I discovered I had the ability to rush with my mace. And I charged a wolf, sent it flying, it exploded in the air, and the debris killed three other dwarves. Uh, not dwarves, wolves. I agree with you, although I, th- I think for me the major difference between Road Not Taken and Dwarf Fortress specifically is that in Road Not Taken it feels intentional. Yes, that's true. Um, I mean, uh, I still remember one of my favorite uh, stories to tell about that is when... Um, it was reported to Toadie that cats were being found dead yes. at, at the thing. And he looked into the the, air lo- the logs and the cats were dying of alcoholism and the cats don't drink alcohol. Right. Uh, it turned out what was happening was the cats were grooming themselves after walking through and the ingest tag was being used uh, because that's realistic. Right. And for a small fluke of numbers it was assuming that the small trace amounts of alcohol that the cat were lapping off its paws was like drinking an entire beer <laughs> and so the cats the cats were immediately for their body weight drinking an entire beer's worth of alcohol just by licking their paws and they would die of alcohol poisoning well you know yeah but, but uh, you're right it's not intentional no it's that not intentional in any way no um whereas like i mean we're not taking i haven't done the like i haven't done the math but based on the number of pages in the diary i'm gonna say there's probably 300 and something items and 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 each has somewhere between one and five combinations a few have zero so zero and five com- you know like there is a there there are a thousand or so combinations but there is not an infinite amount of bizarre and, and if, that- you, if you combine that with the way that they can interact with each other not right. without making combinations because there's the combinations when you put two or more of certain objects together in strange ways you'll get results but also how certain objects interact with others there's literally millions of ways that two ob- two random objects in a thing can try to kill you right, or but, do something else right but what, I, but what i mean is but what I mean is, unlike Dwarf Fortress, there is, defi- there is very definitely a fixed combination and they all do very intentional it's, things. It's definitely the intent of the designer that, that these combinations exist. I, I would actually say in a weird way that the thing that the thing that Road Not Ta- that, that aspect of Road Not Taken most reminds me of is old school adventure games. Yeah. Um which I don't like old school adventure games, and I've you know, and you and you mean like the point and click, like yeah, like old like Lucas Arts and right, like primarily Lucas Arts, Monkey Island, or uh, Dreamfall, or there there are a few others that do. Loom. There was uh, someone actually made an adventure game of uh, not the Dig, well, isn't the Dig, the one where they go to the alien artifact that yeah, arrives. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, but I'm saying there there's the old Lucas Arts, but then in addition to that, there's also like Dreamfall and a couple others that do mm-hmm. that I know of that do it. Loom. Well, Loom does. Well, Loom does it slightly differently, but it doesn't do. But like a lot. But like a lot of non-LucasArts games didn't necessarily do. Oh, you're talking about like the chicken and with the pulley in the middle, right? Type of We're thing. Ta- like items that have very two specific. Items together. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, as as opposed to just like the dig, which was all like or like Mist. I mean, Mist is an adventure game, but not in the same way. Uh, where you're combining items, that's all based around puzzles. I'm I'm specifically talking about the item combination stuff of like. 
Grim Fandango or Monkey Island or Sam and Max. I could see this being used. Uh, I'm going to throw a picture up there as kind of like a, um, what are those called? Oh, man. An immersion game. Well, those types of games that you play that kind of like have connections in the real world. Okay. Oh, like a, yeah, like a. What are those called? Uh, alternate reality games. Yeah. It could be a fun alternate reality game where you have maybe like keyed or or even more fun have uh have items that have embedded RFID tags mm. and they have certain purposes like and Skylanders. stuff like that. Yeah, something like that, but it's like for this ma- massive ARG where you have to find clues to find certain items. That would be neat. And and you would present them for specific things and it would just have to have a complicated background to keep track of what items are supposed to be where that would be cool. whatever. There is, there is actually one other game, not quite the same and and it did it more as a joke i guess you could say uh and we'll say spoiler alert but not really because nobody literally nobody or almost nobody has played this this game but uh the molly jam back in 2014 or 2013 uh one of the people did this game where like the idea was you learn the game as you play it so at first it it plays like a basic mario game where you jump on these dogs you collect some coins etc yep uh the first rule is revealed that the dogs are your friends, so you don't want to jump on them because that kills them. Right. Uh, and the second rule, uh, the second rule that the game teaches you is that the dogs, or that the money is uh, the dogs' allow or allowance or whatever. And by taking it, you're stealing from your friends, so you can't touch the coins, and you can't jump on dogs anymore, and it will kill you if you do. Uh, and then the third rule is, oh, by the way, and this is technically a spoiler alert, but like I said, it's a 15 minute game. Um, is oh by the way aliens are invading so you actually need that money because you are now going to set up a base to fend off the aliens <laughs> <coughs> so you know it, it it changes how the game is played and it changes the game around you which is a really interesting thing I don't know that you could take it much further than that and again it yeah, there's plays only... as much for laughs as it does not for laughs yeah, there's only so much of that kind of frustration it's good for a good joke but it's not a joke you can keep telling over and over again. Yeah, I think in that case it was game. it was specifically supposed to be a game about twists, where the game itself was a twist. Ah, it was, it um, was, a, it was a, a game jam where the theme was twists, or so or they were given the, the the tweet was about yeah something to do with the ultimate twist. Oh right, because it was a Molly jam. It was about Peter Molyneux, right? Or it was about Peter Molyneux, the fake oh, Peter Molyneux. Ah yes, yes, um, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes, uh, the Idle Thumbs guys talked about it, the Giant Bomb guys hosted it actually. So yeah, you know the. All, all, all of the all of the big San Francisco group uh, got involved, but yeah, I mean, I think there were some interesting things that came out of that idea, but that was that was about the best I could think of for that. I don't know the the idea of learning about how a game is played as you're playing it seems really antithetical to a lot of a lot of games. Like you, you you, know, you sort of do it. I guess you sort of do it in Factorio. I'm you uh, could do it in Factorio. You could. Um... You kind of do do that in Factoria, though, because I mean, like, uh, as you research things, you discover new. Well, I mean, but that's more classic. And I was gonna style. say that's more. It's, it's. I mean, it's really more of a research tree. I mean, I mean, Civ, you could technically play without looking at what any of the researches will do too. And yeah. I've done that before. But too. there's a, there's a lot of games that actually like you can opt to play that way, but just not looking at the tutorials, not right. reading into it, and just trying to figure out the game as you go. Right. But. A game like that doesn't quite work because you're kind of like thrown in. I was thinking it would be kind of interesting to yeah, have. There's no way uh, to have that information, even if you wanted it. A self-developing game, okay. Like, as an example, like 
obviously, um, well, actually, that would be kind of fun. Um, it would tell you to do something. And whatever keys you press, you know, immediately assigns to that action. So it says oh. move left and right. And you're like, what keys do I press? If you press, so you might go to the WASD mm-hmm. and you press S. Right, w, a, a, you a, press a, a to go left and then D to go right. And you'll move left and right. And it immediately maps those keys to oh, that action. Weird. And imagine if someone, it said move left and right. And they, because they're, you know, they don't pay attention. They hit D and and then A. Right. So their left and right are mapped backwards. Or here, or, or or actually, I know I'm now thinking beyond maybe one step beyond that. You make it you you sort of do it like uh, what was that old game where you have to like finish each other's story? Like you you write like the first sentence of a story or draw the first part of a picture and people continue it. Yeah. Like do it like that where it's not that the first buttons you play, touch are those keys. It's that. The person who plays it before you has to pick like two or three specific buttons to do certain tasks, almost like a like um, space team or something, where it's like, oh, when when they say scream to go like scream to go faster or scream to go slower, and you press like like that person says, okay, scream to go faster is going to be uh, F, and scream to go slower is going to be S, faster, slower, faster, slower, faster, slower. And then you're, and then you get that. You're like, okay, well, I gotta keep this car going. Oh, speed up, speed up, speed up, speed up. Oh, slow down, slow down, slow down, slow down. Speed up, speed up, speed up, slow down, slow down. And then it's like, okay, well, now not only are you going to be driving the car, now you also have to lean out the window and shoot. So pick the gut buttons that are going to aim the gun and pick the gun to fire the gun. So someone else has to actually do it though. Right. Well, and then like, so you have to prove that it can be done with those, and then that goes on to somebody else. So like, the first guy is the driver, the car driver, but then the driver gets shot. So now you're driving the car and shooting out the window, and then you, he gets shot. So now you're driving, shooting out the window, and screaming at the guy in front of you to get out of the way. And then that person gets shot. So now you're, stri- um, you know, so, something like that. So like, it's, it, it's, it just keeps getting more and more chaotic, and you have to keep following those button presses. As yeah, the only difficulty I see with that ultimately <laughs> is is uh, finding enough people to play the entire chain. I mean, you could do it yourself. I mean... I'm I'm imagining it's sort of like a like a Simon type thing. So I suppose in some mm-hmm. way you could do it yourself, but you know, at some point it's just like, oh crap, what keys did I use for the very first like for faster and slower? Well, that's that's kind of like what I was thinking about with one person. Imagine like as the game gets more complicated, you keep having to find places oh, okay. on the keyboard. So like at first it'll be like the surprise of like, oh, I'm actually mapping this as I go, and how long does it take for people to notice that's what you're doing? Right. Until you accidentally realize that you've actually like put your hand on the WASD keys one button below, so you're actually using the keys below oh, WASD, no. and you look at it like, how did that even work? And then you realize that, and then you start progressing in the game further, and as it gets more challenging, I mean, it's, then... it's interesting because like at, at first, if you're a normal gamer, I mean. To be fair, that would be really cruel for people who don't play a lot of video games. Like, really mean. Oh, well, yeah. It'd be more of a, like, uh, I don't know, some sort of social test. Yeah. But, but, but I think, like, for, experiment. for, That's the for a lot for. of people, like, that would actually be almost good. Because, like, there are so many times where I'm like, why is, who on earth would put, would map sprint to Z? Like, why on earth would you map sprint but to Z? you know what else that would be really good for? I just was thinking about it. Is then imagine if it like logged all the different people who used it yeah, and, and what kind of really keys, good. and it'd be like, oh, you know, twenty seven percent of people use WASD to move. Yeah, or I'd be higher than like seventy eight, or it's like other 
276 people use the mouse to move left and right, and, yep. and then they headbutt the keyboard to make the guy jump. Yeah. But I mean, like, yeah, that would actually give you some interesting uh, data because I'd be like, it always like there was some game I was playing the other day where it was like C is sprint. I'm like, why on earth am I going to press C if I want to sprint? Shift key, control key, like sometimes those are the normals. Yeah. yeah, like why on earth would you put it like that? Just doesn't work at all. Uh, yeah, like I always hate really weird button mappings. In some ways, that's almost like it's it's one of those like it's really convenient right up until you get to that one key too many and then it immediately just spirals up like it would really yeah like i think i think a lot of spinning plate games would work well with this of course at some point like the thing about a spinning plate game is they're so chaotic that that's really where most of the yeah, difficulty and lies it, it reaches it reaches it always reaches the point where that you just can't go any further yeah i mean actually there is i mean i was playing some adom the other day and in some ways i would say adom almost does this to you because like it doesn't necessarily tell you how strong the enemies are a lot of roguelikes are like that actually because every time every roguelike is a little different and you kind of have to learn the rule set yeah either by reading the documentation but let's face it who reads the documentation right. or playing the game but yeah, and, and in some ways, I guess it is almost a codification of some of that stuff, although the interactions are slightly different. But yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think the difference for me with roguelikes between that, and, between the average roguelike and um, Road Not Taken is in most roguelikes, it feels more of a, a general concept of like, oh, you know, don't mess with dragons unless you have this, or don't mess with... Uh, behemoths, unless you have this, or oh, if you're a spellcaster, don't attack this kind of creature, or don't drink this kind, don't don't try potions unless you're not surrounded. Or... And a lot of that that kind of <laughs> that kind of rule stuff set is kind of self imposed as well. Right. Like like for instance, don't drink potions unless you know what they do, or you can identify them first. Right, is a rule set that. A lot of people will follow, right? But some people intentionally avoid. Like for me, I usually read scrolls randomly and drink potions randomly. Well, I'm not saying if I'm feeling like I'm doing well because I don't. I want to know what right. they do. I'm not saying you shouldn't drink them randomly or without identifying them. I'm saying you shouldn't drink them when you're surrounded. Well, yeah, that's yeah. true. But I mean, that's a, that's a rule set that's self-imposed, right? You would do that for safety's reason because you don't know what it's going to do. Right. Other people might do that there because they're like, hey, let's see if it's going to kill all the monsters around me. Sure. And other people have a more stringent rule set of don't drink potions until you can identify. Right. Them. I mean, I, I think a lot of it is, is I mean, there are ba or, or it's, it's, it's a very basic concept of common sense. But there's also like you. But I mean, even within a specific game, more so than just the general like potions, which tends to be across like. <clears throat> I may not necessarily know every monster in Crawl, but I know that you don't mess with, like, I know that you don't mess with certain monsters if you're wielding swords. Right. For example. Or, you know, I know that in uh, Dungeons of Dreadmore, you don't mess with the robot things unless you have some magic abilities. Actually, that makes me, uh, takes me to Breath of the Wild, too. It's the same thing there. In That's a lot true. Of cases like, uh, you don't hit electric creatures with a, a metal sword. Exactly. Because uh, you know what's going to happen. I, I would actually say Breath of the Wild does this fairly well. Yeah. That you do so, and, and, and in Breath of the Wild, it works because a lot of it is sort of straightforward, common sense type things. Actually, yeah, it's common sense type things, and they're really good about it. And I'm actually surprised with Breath of the Wild because normally Nintendo's policy with any game they make right. is beat it into your head from the very beginning. With Like Zelda was notorious for this, where you had... Uh, Twilight Princess, one of my favorites, had the longest yeah. introduction where they teach you everything that you need to know to play the game, and it's obnoxious. Except, even, I mean, even then they don't. Obviously, there are I mean, there are still puzzles in that game that 
Actually, I would say the puzzles. I'm, I'm talking about like the the basic. Yeah, control but I, I, but I would, I would, like I would say things. But I mean, I was thinking things like, you know, knowing, figuring out certain places you can use the magnet boots that mm-hmm. are not necessarily immediately obvious. No, that's true. Um, like, it, yeah, it is really weird. Like they they drill the very basics into your head like over and over and over again, and then with the stuff that's actually really complex and obscure, they always leave it white. Like. Uh, they'll figure this out. Like that's part of the like that's almost but part still, of the puzzle. Even then, they like they make very generous use of Midna True. to to tell you like uh, like you said that the iron boots. The first time you come across a magnetic plate that's actually has a a pull on it, True. she pops up and says, "Hey, maybe well, you can take advantage of this." I f- I feel like at some point you also have to, like the, the difference like the difference between Road Not Taken and Zelda is eight year olds are not. I mean, I think the average eight year old is not going to be playing Road Not Taken. True. Probably I mean, not. Uh, you know, to some extent, and to some extent, I feel like it is almost unfair to to hassle Nintendo too much because oh no, they I'm are. Not. I, I know you're not, but I know a lot of people do. Like yeah. Nintendo does too many. Well, yes, but I mean Nintendo. Nintendo is also making games. I mean, it's fine that you enjoy them and play them, but you know, it's like complaining that it's like people who complain that Pixar is too G-rated, which I have seen people do before. And it's like, well, yes, because they're a family film company. Like they're not making R-rated movies. They don't want to make R-rated movies. I don't and just, if you're complaining about that, there's something wrong with you. Well, I, I don't necessarily want to say something wrong with you, but it's 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 yeah, it's just a very bizarre like you 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 don't ha- you don't have to be the intended audience for every game, just like you don't have to be the intended audience for every movie. And I think some group of people don't understand that. I believe um, that, and yeah. it frustrates me. Um, I don't know. That frustrates me in general. We we are going to have an episode about that fairly soon when we talk about Steam, uh, which I'd like to tie to the Steam sales. So when Steam sales comes out, look for that, guys. Um, but in the meantime, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm actually having trouble coming up with pitches that aren't just sort of us talking about well, the concept because it's such a bizarre... And it's very rare. I mean, you can find instances of it, and I think... It's, it's hard to separate how this is different from just basic... Actually, there's there is one game that I can think of that had something sort of like that, but okay. in a different way. Um, the the rule set developed as you played. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of the game now because you know it's me. I forget names of games left and right. But the the premise of the game was it was like an RPG, but it started out like a basic, super simple RPG, and every time you opened a chest, it actually oh, unlocked um, a, a gameplay mechanic. Evil Land. Evo Land, yes. yes. That was really kind of cool. That was clever. As you as you advance, the the game itself becomes more complex and interesting yeah. and it and so you're like unlocking the features of the game and learning how to use them as they unlock, which uh, is pretty cool. Yeah, I liked it. I, I unfortunately felt like the first two hours of that game are hilarious. They're great, they got a lot of callbacks, they do that a lot. Yeah. And then it just sort of turns into a second rate actual one like it's the same problem with a lot of those kind of movies. It's like at some point it stops being a parody and starts like taking itself kind of seriously. There, there's a point where it reaches where, oh, maybe I'm not, I was thinking it was a point where it reaches where they probably should have stopped and ended the game because they actually ran out of good ideas. Yeah, like they kind of run out of good ideas and it kind of just turns into an RPG. Like the problem with the comedy RPG is like it's, it's not. Ne- it's never going to be as good as these super serious dramatic RPGs because those are a super serious dramatic storyline. And people go in expecting this nice, funny right. thing. And then once they hit the serious stuff, they're like, this is not what I signed yeah. up for. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's one of those, like, it, it's the same problem that a lot of parody movies run into. It, the first couple hours are great. Like, play it for that. It's only like two or three bucks, so pick it up. But yeah, at some point, it, it, it just becomes a 
regular RPG, and then it's not But as let's great. be serious. How many people actually get to the end of these gigantic JRPGs? And I know I you ro- do. No, I was actually going to say I don't. I, I said ironic. I was going to say ironically. I think that actually may be the the actual joke involved in that, but I don't necessarily <laughs> know that they thought that through. Like I, I actually think it would be funnier if it had stopped at some point gone to a blank screen and said, well, we all know nobody's actually going to play past here anyway, then just skip to the final boss. <laughs> That'd actually be a good idea for, like, uh, uh, the end of a game. Yeah, I, I actually had that in mind when I, when I was with, with an RPG I had thought of at one point, with that that, par- that Beatles RPG parody I told you about. Oh, right. Um, which will never happen. Thank you, Apple Corps, for being such a litigious uh, company. Well, everybody tries to protect their IDs, uh, IPs. Just some companies are so much worse at it than others. Yeah, but the, I mean, the Beatles are especially litigious. Um, they won't even allow you. Like, there's a band, uh, band called Beatallica, which used to do uh, Metallica Beatles uh, mashups. They were not allowed to do that with Abbey Road. They had to use the AV uh, Beatles music uh, lyrics because they were not even allowed to mash them up without getting sued. Hmm. Um, yeah. Because you can't, you cannot alter the sacred words of Abbey Road, um, brought down on high by Lord McCartney and his prophet Lennon. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I like Abbey Road, but you know, well, I mean, who doesn't like a little Beatles every now? I, mean, I, I like the Beatles. I'm just saying, I don't think that those are the greatest songs, and they're pretty good, but they they are not like unalterable. No, they are not the Bible. Not. <laughs> They're not the Bible. Um, but anyway, yeah, I don't know. It is. It is. It is an interest. It is an interesting and challenging one. And um, I'm sort of having difficulty coming up with good. Neither am I. I mean, I think there are ways to do it in terms of like similar to something like a factory game, where you could do something like. You're making things and you're learning about what you're making as you're making them and how to use them. But I think that, that would really frustrate a lot of people. Like, I feel like if you're setting up a chain and you realize, oh, this thing that I spent the last four hours trying to figure out how to put all these together, I now need to use this back in this other recipe, but I've got it all the way on the other side of the map from the way I would have set this up if I had known that these things need to go together. Well, that's that's exactly what Factorio is. Right, but I mean, in, but, but again, in Factorio, you can at least look ahead and see, oh, right. once I research this, this is, I'm going to need this. And to make this, I'm going to need these things. And you can think about it in advance. And yes, mm-hmm. to some extent, you can make it more efficient as you've played it a few times. I think a mashup between, um, oh, good grief, I hate being so brained about game names, um, Minecraft and, uh, and Finifactory. That could work. Where, where you have a lot of really nice assembly items. And instead of having the Factorio where, like, the items that are created are, like, not really objects or sub-objects. Yeah, that's true. Um, making real objects that could actually be then picked up and placed um, would be kind of cool. Having Like, I know there's a good factory mod actually, for I- Minecraft that adds a whole bunch of different yes. industrial things. And that's kind of what I'm thinking of. But, like, making it so, like, every time you advance. Like, this might be good for Factorio, too, mm-hmm. because, like developing and learning what you can build with factorio is kind of a problem true but imagine having it so that as you play the game it's like oh you need to build one of these and it like sets sets for you the goal of of like getting to that point instead of making it all self self um what's the word i'm trying to say Mm self-induced where you're like oh well what am i going to do about this oh i need splitters how do i make splitters oh i need to get that go find that it'd be like hey 
we needed you to produce splitters. Yeah. So you produce splitters, and then you can actually start using the splitters in your factories after that, too. That's true. Yeah, actually. I, I think Industrial Craft does do some of that. Um, yeah. I was actually thinking while you were talking about it, in, in some ways, I actually, now that I think about it, Minecraft actually, are, like pre-Wiki, Minecraft actually already kind of did do that. Because yeah. you were sort of, and, and I guess some of these survival games do, though. The problem is now so many of them have been wiki to like, death. Wasn't but... that like Notch's goal every time he released a big update that he'd have stuff hidden in there that people had to discover? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and, and like I said before, like in some ways I feel like the wiki kind of makes that game less interesting in some ways. I mean, some, to some extent you need it. At, like at some point you need it, especially for some of the higher, higher end crafting stuff. But like it was like, you're like... Oh, well, I have this wood. I wonder if I can burn this. Oh, you can burn wood. That's cool. What can I do with burning? Oh, I can make fireplaces out of it if I've combined oh, it with rocks. And I, I can't can, combine it with wood. I can burn more wood. Oh, my whole ha- fortress is on fire. Right, but you but but you could also learn like, oh, if I burn wood, I can get charcoal. And if I have charcoal, that burns slower than wood does. Mm-hmm. Oh, and if I have wood, I can make a Oh, I can make an oven, and then I can cook things. And if I and cooked things behave differently from non-cooked items. And oh, if I combine these things together, I can get paint. And if I combine these things together, I can get clo- like there is a and, and in a lot of ways, aside from I'd say the clothing stuff, a lot of it is, if not common sense, at least understandable. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. If you combine dust and and paint, you get dust and dyes. You get paint. Like yeah. Okay. That's how real dyes work. Like mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of that stuff is at least you know or, or bone dust works as fertilizer. Well, yeah, okay, that's real. That's realistic. Like a lot of that stuff is, is almost common sense. Yeah, or at least you know based on 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 the real world enough that you can sort of follow it. And yeah, I, I actually think maybe for for all of the dumping I have done on Minecraft, I will say that that is like ironically. Uh, and I've said this before too. Like for all that I dislike Minecraft, I feel like Minecraft it was as it was originally intended before the eight thousand other cooks came along and started to spoil the broth. Uh, I think Minecraft was a really interesting thing, and then everybody wanted out of it something different than I think was originally intended to be. Yeah, and kind of and broke I, parts. Of I it. think that was part of the problem too, because I mean, um, the thing, I can't necessarily... the thing that that that's lacking about that yes. situation is the fact that Minecraft could have been as complex and interesting as, say, the game we're talking about here, Road Not Taken. Yes. Uh, but it's not because there are so many other things that he wanted to do so that interactive interaction between items yes. is not nearly as complicated Very true. or in-depth as, as I would like, Very for true. instance. And, and, and I think at some point it was people were playing it very differently than they would have with Road Not Taken. And, you know, at some point there were so many different people who wanted so many different things out of it. Like, I cannot, at, at, at the end of the day, I can't necessarily blame Notch for just throwing up his hands, burning the place down, and walking out like he did. Um, <laughs> well, be- selling it to Microsoft. Well, yeah, but I mean, just even beyond that, just like, down. yeah, I mean, well, even beyond that, basically just throwing up the birds and walking and just being like, I'm done with you people, and then spending the rest of his life just posting garbage on Twitter all day and trolling people. Like, you know, at some point he, I mean, he's a billionaire and he's earned it, but at some point, like, the amount of garbage, like, People threaten death threats because he took three weeks too long to release a, a game, like a patch. Like it got ridiculous at some point. The way the amount of entitlement that you saw from people who paid fifteen dollars for this game. Yeah, and this is definitely something we're going to have to talk to in, in the next. And, one. and I think Minecraft is one of the 
bigger examples of that. Uh, so I actually have one more. And if, if you think we're getting close to wrapping up, I feel like this is a perfect one to end on because sure. it is both. Sounds good to me. It is both a great example and possibly one of the most horrifying versions of this that I have ever seen. So Brenda Brathwaite, who you may also know as Brenda Romero, uh, she wrote a book called, uh, she actually wrote a book that I own uh, with uh, Eric. I think it was, it's with Eric Zimmerman called um, uh, Game Design for, uh, for uh, Board Game. It's something like Game Design for, game designers or something it's basically like exercises for people who want to be video game designers but it does it all in as like board game stuff hmm. um i think it's with eric zimmerman um who's also fairly well known for doing stuff at like gdc and stuff right uh, okay. and she's of course married to uh john romero i was wondering about that yes she 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 she's better known as brenda brathwaite but she's now she's also brenda romero um so she made a game a few years ago called train which you may have heard of as an exercise in the fact that most people don't tend to understand the rule, don't, don't always necessarily understand the rules of the game uh, and, and, and uh, as a social experiment. And so in this game, you start the game and you each have a train car in front of you. Right. And you have uh, various colors of stained glass. And you're trying to get, you are trying to be the person who can most efficiently and most quickly load up your train car. And there's like, like, I think it's like six or seven rules. I haven't actually gotten to play it. It was in like the music. It was in one. It was in an art museum, or, right? Uh, as, as an example of of game design. Um, was so that the same one that Minecraft ended up in? Uh, no, different one. This this was oh. this was a specific. Um, this was a specific like modern art type thing uh, okay. that she had done for them. Um, and so you, it was like six or seven rules. So I don't remember the exact specifics of how the rules work, but basically it was like. Here's the purpose of the game. Here's what you're doing. Here's how the rules go. Don't read, the, you know, read each rule, like one rule each turn, basically. Right. And, it was eight, and it was an eight-turn game. And when you got to the very last rule, you discovered, oh, these are train cars going to Auschwitz, and you are a member of the SS who is loading uh, Jews and political prisoners and other people onto the train cars, and the colors represent the different badges that they wore on their shoulder. Fantastic. Which was the whole point of the game, was that, was that's what I mean. It it actually turned out that the whole reason was it was a way to explain to her daughter how it was that Hitler was able to get the Nazis to do horrible things by basically just not telling them what they were you know, the bigger picture of if what they were doing. If you eliminate context, you can get people to do many horrible it, things. Exactly. And that was exactly what the game was about was you learned the rules as you played and the last rule was the context of what the game itself was about. Right. And she has a great essay on it in her book. Um, several great, There are several great essays in her book about uh, various games. Uh, also, that game, uh, she has one about Super Columbine RPG. She has one about... Um, <clears throat> the Passage and a couple other games, uh, all of which I really I would say is worth buying the book just to read those. But yeah, her 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 uh, rationale and her discussion about that game is really really interesting and, and sort of why she did it. Uh, so I would, I would highly encourage people to look up uh, Brenda Brathwaite or Brenda Romero's game Train and to read a little bit about it in the context of learning about the game rules as you play. All right. And now that I've brought everybody down, let's go into a very uplifting and exciting discussion in the mouthwash of a post-apocalyptic RPG. I'm so depressed. And 
and welcome back to the mouthwash where we spit fiery hot truths like the arrows from the bow of lady justice herself as she tries to defend herself from the zombie horde <laughs> along oh i got what you're okay along with just a hint of minty freshness so tonight we're going to be talking about uh one of our favorite games homeworld cataclysm I love Homeworld Cataclysm. It's a great game. Uh, so, yeah, Homeworld Cataclysm is a space game set in a another universe, I guess. Uh, it is the sequel to uh, a critically acclaimed game, Homeworld. It's the second expansion pack for World of Warcraft. It totally is. <laughs> In this expansion pack, uh, we've discovered the cataclysm, which breaks the world in half and creates a third island in which... Oh, no. It, it creates portals to, I guess, the underworld? Yeah. In which you have to fight your way to defeat some crazy evil dude. It's messed up. Yes. Also, it's... Uh, expansion pack was created by Hidetake Suehiro. I can't give you any input on that. Uh, that was uh, D4, Dark Dreams Don't Die. Oh, well, I don't know what that is. Uh, it's the sequel to uh, D3, The Mighty Ducks. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a great movie. It was a great movie. Also, the, the hockey scene in Dark Dreams Don't Die was absolutely amazing. Also, it was not however... Wait, as... wait, wasn't that like by the same director as uh, U571? Yes, I think it might have been. Yes. No, the hockey scene from U571 was amazing. Oh, absolutely. Uh, also, it was, of course, D3, The Mighty Ducks was the sequel to uh, Itagaki's uh, third, which was uh, for some reason known as D2, um, despite being Neville's third. Um, but it should not be confused with Killer 7. Okay. Which was by uh, Suda51. Oh, and he did, uh, he set up Studio Ghibli and made don't, um, don't mix Star Wars, right? <laughs> don't, don't mix Studio Ghibli up with Suda51. That's crazy. <laughs> Everybody knows that Suda51 runs Konami. Okay, anyway. <laughs> well, that was six minutes of nonsense. Perfect, let's keep it in. So, now, let's see here. Where were we? Uh, yes, so in the sequel to the Homeworld uh, game, um, a Hagarin mining ship discovers uh, a strange anomaly that begins consuming other ships, and through the course of the game, they have to travel and fight it. So, the question is, um, have you played through the game? Uh, I've been, I came, I got to the final level. Uh, and the final level is very I did difficult. Not beat, I did not beat the, uh, the final boss. No, it, I, it took me a lot to get through that one. It, it, you have to have a lot of big ships to waste its time. Yes. Because yeah, it, it eats the little least. ships very quickly. Uh, I should also point out that it has recently been re-released, uh, uh, on GOG this year as Homeworld Emergence. Yes. Because they could not actually find the original source code, and the owners of the company, uh, the owners of the, um, it's 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 partially because um, Blizzard owns the copyrights to Cataclysm. It's not Blizzard. It's no, because of the because the World of War, uh, Warcraft expansion. Oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, Blizzard owns the rights to the word Cataclysm in a game, so they can't call it Homeworld yes. Cataclysm because then Blizzard might try to sue them. So they had to right. call it something else. Yeah, they call so they called it uh, Homeworld uh, Overwatch. <laughs> No, no, wait. I'm sorry. That was that's the uh, that's. I'm sorry. That's the game. Oh by no, you're Valve. right. No, that's, that's they, they. They called it Homeworld Dota Two. Uh, no, I thought it was um, <laughs> uh, Player Unknown's Homeworld Battlegrounds. <laughs> Player Unknown's Homeworld Battlegrounds. <laughs> oh wait, and 
and they just came out with a new one that was um um Homeworld Desert Storm. <laughs> Of course, the sequel to Homeworld DayZ. Yes, absolutely. Speaking of which, has zombies in it, much like the game we're talking about tonight. Homeworld Cataclysm, Dark Days Ahead. And with the winter coming on and with the sunlight setting sooner, uh, dark days are ahead. So Cataclysm DDA is probably one of the most um, complex and involved uh, roguelikes ever created. Would you actually call it a roguelike? Let's start there. I'm going to say it's a roguelike survival mashup. It has enough roguelike elements in it to bear the title roguelike. Yeah, I was actually trying to figure out how to describe it the other day on a forum. Well, do we still have that Berlinian um, listing? Okay, so yeah, before we get into details of that, I think um, while we're not going to apologize to the introduction of this this mouthwash, we... we feel, or at least I feel, that you require some sort of explanation as to why we are We're a crazy. little crazy today. Uh, Josh has completed a, what, 16-hour? 18-hour. 18-hour marathon uh, for? Uh, Extra Life 2017, which was the home, which is the... <clears throat> Sponsor of uh, Children's Miracle, which sponsors Children's Miracle Network, and the the um, I think most people probably know that it we, was, we we record we're recording on November fifth. Yeah, we're recording we the day early. after he he ran this, so he's a little loopy, I'm a little loopy, and I'm going to take every opportunity to mess with his head, which he already does. Yeah, I mean, astute listeners will note that usually it's the other way around. Usually I push Luke's buttons, so he likes it when I'm in weird mode, so he can push mine. Anyway, so my makes it easy. My description on um. <clears throat> Retrogaff is it's sort of like the roguelike version of DayZ. Uh, you play so you're it's part open world game, part roguelike, and part Fallout Four uh, base mode is how I describe it. Very much so, and and it does so well mm. with all of those factors. So I got the factors for the okay. Berlinian interpretation. So let's see how many. I will these... say it is definitely not a Berlinian rogue. Well, let's see how many of these factors it covers. Okay. Random environment generation. Yes. Yes. Permadeath. Yes. Uh, absolutely. Yes. I think there's ways to avoid it, but yes. Turn based. Mm, sort of. Also, we're gonna go back, and I'm gonna I'm gonna point this out to you. Remember, this is always intent. I know. Not what people can do to. No, avoid no, I know. It. Um, grid based. Right. If we're if we're looking at uh, sort of yes, yeah, grid based, yes. Non modal. I think you and I disagree on that, so let's come back to that. Complexity. Yeah. Resource management? Yeah. Less so as you go along, but sure. Hack and slash? Not really. Exploration and discovery? Eh, kind of. I'd say more yes on my end for that. That's one missing out of the high value factors. The low value factors, single player character, monsters are similar to players, tactical challenge, ASCII display, Dungeons and numbers. Well, let me let me rephrase that. I'm not. I think, sa- I'm not saying it's not a roguelike. I'm saying that it is more than. I am saying that. Oh yeah. I think no. roguelike is. I, I, we're just starting by touching okay. on uh, how roguelike is. Yes. It. And by this, by the Berlinian interpretation, it's very much. A I, I would say it's definitely that. Yeah. I, I I was saying in the same way that I would say that, you know, Dwarf Fortress is not a pure roguelike. I would say that that you know. What, what, what I'm saying is people who are coming to Cataclysm looking for a pure roguelike are not going to be happy. But people who want a game that is that is a roguelike with other stuff will like it. People who are looking for a straight 
ADOM dead hack experience will probably be less. Well, that's true. That's that was all I was getting at. Is there there is more it is more involved than your standard basic robot. Okay, so the next factor, how much of a survival game is this? And this is this is just like slapping ourselves mercilessly against the walls of genre just for the fun of yeah. it. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really amount to anything, but survival games are a sub, uh, sub genre, sub genre, sub genre of action video games set in hostile open world environments where players generally begin with minimal, where players generally begin with minimal equipment. Can I ask are, where you're getting this definition from before you read it? Uh, Wikipedia. Actually. Oh, okay. Uh, minimal equipment and are required to collect resources, craft tools, weapons, shelter, and survive as long as possible. Okay. So it definitely falls under a survival genre. I would say that. Oh, yeah. yeah, I would definitely say it's a survival game. So we have now established that that we are right, that it is a survival roguelike. Yes. I'm just, I don't know. For some reason, like, as much as I already hate the term roguelike, um, I feel like mashing those two together feels like it is both accurate and yet somehow very unfulfilling. Well, you mean that the the calling the, it an adventure rogue or, or a survival roguelike is both yeah. both 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 accurate and underwhelming because the game kind of surpasses. So actually, I think you're right uh, in that, which also explains why I was having I keep getting distracted. Okay, um, where was I? Because it it really is the game is greater than the sum of its genre parts. I don't know about greater, but well, yeah, certainly more than sure. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. You you like I like Cataclysm. You you like Cataclysm more than I do. I don't necessarily even know that greater than the sum of its parts is quite right cuz in a lot of ways those two don't I mean they fit together pretty well but at the same time they they fit together in a somewhat sloppy way uh where sometimes like I don't necessarily feel it always works. So more than the sum of the parts makes it sound like it is it somehow transcends both of them and I'm not sure it does, but it definitely transcends the label. Like the label is just too like if I was to think of a rogue of a survival roguelike, I'm not even sure what I would think of. But I'm not. I Space don't. Space engineers. No, I would actually probably think of something more like. Um, what was that game? What was I just thinking about? Um, I would actually probably think of something more like FTL. If I'm being honest, like if you were to tell me an actual survival hmm. roguelike, I would say FTL or. No, that I think that does fall into the category in a lot of ways. But 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 I would not, I would not think like. Cata- Although there's Cata- a lot less crafting, and you know what it is, I would say this is a roguelike survival game and not a survival roguelike game. Maybe that's maybe that's how I would split. Yeah, it. you know, I I, I can see that. That, that at it least seems like puts a, the, a puts the emphasis in the proper direction. Yes, exactly. That's what I was going to okay. get around to saying. So, um, there's a lot to say about this game, and I'm not even quite sure where to start. Well, let's start at the very beginning. What is the game about? Good place to start. Start uh, at the very no. I'm not going to sing some so, music. So okay. So the concept behind this game is that you are a survivor, and the very basic premise: you are a survivor of an ap- apocalyptic event. That if you play the game as intended, with no idea of what's happened, you start the game waking up in a survival shelter that you have made it to. Yes. You you can find a uh, like an emergency jacket. A blanket sometimes. Um, and some stuff in the basement sometimes. And some stuff in the basement. Usually it's a random collection of things. Some of them useful, some of them not. Everything is useful in some capacity. Well, when you first start out, not right. everything seems useful. Not directly useful. Right. And so you're in this follow- this shelter. Mm-hmm. And the general location, if you're playing it by its default setting, is free of dangers. And you can go out and you can do a little bit of exploring yep. to get a feel for the land. 
Uh, eventually, you will come across hostile creatures of many varieties. Mm-hmm. Uh, most often, the more common zombies, zombie, as, and moose, and moose, and eventually zombie moose. And now, as as yeah. you play the game, the further afield you go, and the more time passes, the more dangerous the creatures become. Yes, uh, and um, there's also locations that will have a higher rate of danger. So the game is set in New England. And so there are like villages and cities that you can come across by following roads and you find cars mostly destroyed. You find buildings uh, usually locked and you have to break into these houses Mm -hmm. to find materials to survive food, um, clothing, shelter goods, things for protection, things to defend yourself with. And the general idea is at the very beginning of the game just to survive. And that's usually all you really need to know to get into the game to begin with. And, and this is part of why like people will remember, might remember uh, people who are our regular listeners might remember that we uh, talked about roguelikes last week and we talked a little bit about cataclysm. Then the reason we're talking about it again this week is because cataclysm is much, much um, is, is much larger than uh, the standard roguelikes or like we were saying. And there's just a lot more complexity to it that sort of felt like it, it deserved its own sort of, uh, thing going on so we, we kind of wanted to talk a little bit more in depth about some of the other things that cataclysm does that that other games in the genre really don't do as much except for uh you know th- there are some minor uh things in, in a few other games but uh it's it's pretty uncommon in, in in a lot of this stuff i mean actually a lot of the stuff that i think of as being special about cataclysm is stuff that shows up a lot in things like uh, Daisy or Dead Rising, ironically. Minecraft, even. Minecraft, yeah, but but a lot, but I mean specifically, like, yeah, I mean, but I mean specifically, a lot of it's I think of it as being like weapons crafting is something I actually think of as mostly in Daisy in uh, uh, True. uh Dead Rising, but yeah, I mean, it, it it is things that you see a lot in other zombie games more than it is stuff you see in roguelike games. Um, yeah, survival like, games. Like too. I feel not I, just zombie, but generals. Yeah, survival. yeah, but I mean, there's there's yeah, but you can't build like I mean, you can a little bit, but like I don't know. For me, it feels it feels it feels like it has more in common with zombie based survival games than it does with something like say Terraria. Mm. I I think actually that's a good place to start with is the crafting. Um, well, actually, I- let's actually let's start with the zombie thing first. Okay, because. I think we I think we have to make a case for it because there are a lot of people out in the world who say zombies are played out and I am one of them. Yeah. I that's think true. zombies are done. Like zon- like overused. Overused. Like zon- zon- like I think zombies were done like when Plants vs Zombies came out in 2009 I think was when it when it was done. Well, it was, and it's, it was and it's been going on for 5 years. Like you know there it drives me crazy that every popular game on Steam seems to, like every popular greenlit game on Steam seems to involve zombies. Because I'm like, zombies are done. Why is everybody still into zombies so much? Because uh, zombies provide a, a consequence-free thing to kill. I suppose that's probably why a lot of kids like them. Yes, but I mean, so for those, of, but for those people like me who are done with zombies and who don't necessarily want to kill a bunch of zombies. Why should you want to play a game with a bunch of zombies, with killing a bunch of zombies? Um, what makes the zombies in in Cataclysm compelling? There's there's two arguments. Okay. One, it's not just about the zombies. There there are multiple other That's interesting right. things to deal with, and there's a bunch of backstory that explains where they come from, and it also dictates the behavior mm-hmm. and the way that they function. I mean, I don't care that much about backstory personally, but I'm sure some people will. Sure. That, but I mean, it, it's kind of significant because, mm-hmm. like, you have your different varieties of zombies, and so. Um, one of the things I really like about it is that they stick to a logic sure. that dictates the behavior of the zombies that 
I can appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, because like you have your run of the mill zombies, they're always the same kind of thing. And this one, the backstory is, uh, that a biological experiment went awry. Right. It kills living organisms and then takes over their bodies. Right. So it's like a, it's like that crazy fungus thing. Yeah. Well, no, it's not really like the crazy fungus thing. Exactly. It's more like, um, actually it's kind of closer to dead space in, in, in that there's, it's, it's like a parasite takes you over it's yeah, called but the I mean, blob I, I i just mean that there there is that par- there is that fungus that like takes over ants and controls them oh you're right yes, yes that that type of so there's and it so that logic dictates how they behave and it gives you once you start to learn how they function it's more logical yeah. it's not like you're running the mill zombies that that get overplayed so even though it's not like super compelling for people who are just like oh, i'm tired of zombies yeah. there's more to it than just your conventional run the mill boring zombie I, I will say for me like the like going along with those the two for me are one that kind of like dead like like you were saying like kind of like daisy like i mean the zombies are definitely a threat but i mean and there are times where they are the primary threat but in a lot of ways they almost are like I don't want to say the food clock because there's already a food clock in in uh, in the game that is not related to that. But they they almost serve as a like a just a low level threat that is constantly there. It's um, a pressure. It's a pressure, and and yeah, I mean, much like DayZ, like they are not the main. They are not the main, the main, the, the sole or main enemy or threat in the game. Starting out with your bare hands or yeah. with one of the basic weapons that you can craft to start with, even having a rock in your hand, you can very easily take down a zombie yes the problem is that the noise that you make taking down a zombie right. can draw a whole bunch more and, th- and that was what i was gonna say is the is the other thing for me is the fact that you know in a lot of games they like zombies feel like fodder for you to just spray through like i mean even even in left for dead where you know i mean where a few zombies can very easily kill you and they're special zombies just like they are here but you know I mean, you're just spraying through run-of-the-mill zombies. Like, here, two or three zombies can be a major... Like, you can handle two or three zombies, but they can be a major threat. Yeah. And, and that's you, something I really like, is that it feels accident- realistic. Yeah. If you accidentally summon half a town worth of zombies, you are in serious trouble. Oh, yeah. If you accidentally summon half a town worth of zombies, you're dead. But, I mean, even, even like... Like two, one zombie is, is doable, but but risky. Two zombies is... Is is dangerous. Anything over three, and you unless you have some major firepower, you're pretty much dead. Yeah, and, and it also kind of like dictates how you behave a lot of the ways as well, mm-hmm. because like sound and right. smell can affect things around you. Not just zombies, but other creatures as yeah. well. Will go go in for odor and other things. And for instance, there are firearms in the game, and they are very powerful, very effective way to take down any kind of enemy. And they're very loud. But they're loud, yeah. and they will summon half a town. Yes. On you. Yeah. That, that 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 was the thing that actually most reminded me of DayZ was the gunfire. Yeah. Was the fact that that absolutely will draw crowds, and and that's also sort of what I mean when I say that they are not an antagonist in and of themselves because a zombie is not scary, but dealing with a zombie is requires thought and like even dealing with some single zombie can sometimes require a lot of thought a lot of tactical thinking a lot of tactical thinking in the same way that you know dealing with a dangerous monster in most roguelikes like you know the average zombie is 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 your kobold but you know two or three of them will turn turn nasty very quickly yeah yeah so now i think you should go into whatever you're going to say before we get to the zombie part uh one of the things that i really like and it's 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 something that we often have a problem with uh, other types of survival sandbox games is crafting. Yeah. 
the the balance of resources mm-hmm. and um, how you create in this game is actually very satisfying to me. At yeah, least. I like it. Um, being, I like that there's two different types of crafting. Yeah, and a lot of the the materials for crafting and and the way that like um, so like you have a, a basic table of things that you can start creating and and it even for like a beginning survivor you have I don't know maybe ten. No, more than that. 20 or 30 things that you can, you know how to build. Oh, how to build, yeah. So I was going to say that you can actually build is usually maybe yeah. five. Yeah, yeah, much less. And But you all, but because you know these things, you know what you need to get. Right. And they're usually, you know, they're, to start with, they're basic things that you can easily find the materials for. Yeah. Even though it's still difficult to get your hands on thing, the material. Thing, thing, things like, for example, uh, a baseball bat with nails stuck through it or a boomerang or, or a crowbar handmade from some pipe. Or a scarf. You know, basic stuff that you might make if you were going – like basic stuff that I could make if I was going out into the woods and needed – needed some of these resources like oh yeah you hit a hit a piece of re you know hit a piece of rebar with with a uh a rock rock and you have a crowbar like yeah obviously and i also like the crafting tools thing because like you said you beat a a piece of of pipe with uh a piece of rebar or pipe with a rock and you get a crowbar um a rock is considered a hammer it's a level one hammer right and so as you get more complex and and detailed you need higher level tools but the fact that like the the basic hammer is just a rock yeah is handy also it's pretty easy to find an actual hammer that's true and and like getting tools in the towns and stuff um is it's there's a lot of stuff that you can come across when you're looking through villages and the 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 challenge is actually surviving the hunt for the item i I was gonna say there's there's sort it's it's actually kind of like when we talked about eve way back when and that there's almost like three layers of of what you're doing where it's like at the at, at, at at one level it's so, so to go crafting, you, you need to get resources. To yes. get those resources, you need to go into the village. Yes. Uh, because, like, you know, in, in, you know, you're on the outskirts of a town, usually, you know, usually half a mile, quarter of a mile outside of a town in an evac shelter. In the town, there's probably, you know, it's, it's a small town. So there's, or, or maybe a small city, l- large town, small city. So there's probably, you know, 50, 100 houses. There might be a bank or two. There might be a sporting goods store, clothing shop. All you know, all the kinds, all kinds of things of you'd, you'd yeah. find in a small small city or a large town. Um, and so you have to basically go in, break into these buildings, uh, search around in them without drawing attention, grab the things that you need, and get out safely. And then you can use those things to either craft more items, or you you know, obviously you're going to need food because you're going to run out of food and water. So you sort of have those two levels. And the zombies are part of the escort levels. The crafting and, and, and resource requirement is part of the second level. And then the third level is sort of trying to set up a sustainable base for a short for a period of time, whether that be in the town or out of the town. You know, right. I would say that's sort of the three levels. Is you sort of have the base level, you have the exploration level, and then you have the, the crafting uh, protection level. Exactly. Yeah, and so as you as you uh, as you build up, um, you need to. F- uh, you need to go out farther and farther to get more stuff, um, and and a lot of the goals that are in the game are kind of self-imposed. Like uh, a lot of people like building up a vehicle that's defensible and yep. and, and stuff like that. And that's another thing that I, I really like is you can actually build vehicles from the ground up if you have the resources. Although they to do are it. really like, we we need to get back to vehicles because I really don't like vehicles very much. I like I like having them, but. The way that they work is a pain. It in the is. Butt. It is very unusual. It's re- they are very unwieldy, and I have accidentally 
killed myself more often than I've accidentally <laughs> saved my, than I've saved That's myself. That's true. Um, Although I love the little electric cars. Yes, but but I was also but, I, but what I also meant is there. There's also like there are also two kinds of crafting because there's the basic crafting of crafting items, crafting implements, but there's also the construction menu, which is things like walls and windows and doors and boarding up windows and boarding up walls and building fences oh, and yeah. picket fences and things. Um, so like in one of my games, I actually had. I chose a house that I had managed to, uh, in one of my raids, I, I, I had managed to basically clear all of the zombies around from two houses on the outskirts of a town. Um, and I basically walled up the uh, alleyway between the two houses. It was it was a short alleyway. It was only like two or three squares wide. So, you know, probably 30, 40 feet. And I walled yeah. up, walled up, you know, basically the, the, the area between them so that I could grow, so I could put some funnels out and catch some water. And started a small farm plot. And I mean, I basically, those two houses basically served as my base for a good couple of weeks. And, you know, I had a bedroom in one of the, you know, like all of the outer rooms. I I boarded up all the windows, boarded up the doors. I had one window in the back that I could basically crawl out of and crawl back into at night. Um, and, you know, I, I was able to hole up there for a good week or two and probably, I think I, my character is still there. I don't think she's died yet. So, I mean, basically from here, I have to kind of figure out what to do with her. But I would say that for me was the the fun stuff is is the building the constructions and trying to make a workable base. The problem is there's a lot of places where you really can't do that. You have to be careful with it because there are a lot of zombies around and it does take time to do a lot of those constructions. So you have to be really smart and careful about those too. Yeah, um, there is like there are periods in the game, and and, and it's kind of a, a a flaw in the game. I think in some ways there's 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 no even difficulty curve. No. And like in the beginning of the game, you have like this low area where you get your get your bearings, yep. and then it it spikes up a lot when you do your first bits of exploration because you're not very well equipped. Yep. As you get more and more equipped and survive more and more houses, the difficulty of the things that you come across slowly ramps up as you explore out, but your equipment and your resources slowly uh, more rapidly increase. Yeah. So you're so so you're like. The difficulty slowly goes down until you go far enough out to get into some of the more difficult situations. I would, I would almost say it's like like a reverse trumpet where like it's widest at the top and then it slows down and then it widens out and then it slows down and then it widens out and then it calls, falls back. It's yeah. like three trumpets in a row. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is because as, as you collect more resources, your ability to deal with situations gets better and better yeah. until you come across another big issue. And that's, that's the way the game works. You'll just come across major issues like your first... Hulk zombie yeah. is a major problem. Well, your first zombie is a major problem in in some of those games. Well, like I've, the, I've had games where I've gone to town yeah. where like a zombie will kill me. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's what I mean though, because because yeah. you when you start out and you're in your fallout in in the evac shelter, yep. you're just peaceful. You can stay there until you run out of food and die. That's fine. But as soon as you step out into the thi- into the first building in the yep. city, or even wander around the the local area. The chances of you coming across something that could be very lethal jump up yeah. dramatically. Yeah, I don't. I actually don't know. Like in retrospect, I'm trying to remember how I managed to clear that area because every game I've played since then, like even a single house has had ten or twelve zombies around it. I don't remember how I managed to clear that one house out. I think it was by drag. I think it was what I did was I ran through a house, like I cleared out all the windows and then ran through, so they like all got dragged out into the door frames or something. Like along the window frames and killed them as they were climbing. And then you the got you got out of their their area of influence. yeah. I basically, well, I basically, uh, well, I, no, I basically like I set it up so that they like there was a choke point so that they could only come in like they had to come in through the window 
Uh, one at a time. Yeah, well, there's there's that. Doorway choke points are very effective against zombies. And windows are really good, too. Yeah. Um, and, and also, you know what also works? What? Um, and then I think I had a hatchet or something. One of the best things to do is to, to lure a whole bunch of zombies into a house and yeah. burn it down. I didn't even know you could burn houses down. So there Oh, you yeah. Go. Don't set fire to anything inside of a house unless it's in something fireproof. Uh, That's a good way well, to die. Also, don't do that because you can choke on the smoke, which is why I've never done it. Yeah. Um, I, well, I always build my campfires outdoors. That's what I do. Which is which too. is why you wall your which is why you wall your two houses off, uh, which is why you always or or you can do it in the basement safely. No, you'll still you'll still die of smoke inhalation. Yes, but you won't burn the house down. Oh, uh, maybe I, maybe I built it in a great thing. Anyway, well, I don't know if that's true anymore. I I, I, I have know. no idea. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think yeah, the the diff- the way the difficulty is structured is probably one of my two biggest complaints about the game is that it has re- it does have really bizarre, like we've talked about how like Dwarf Fortress has has this like learning cliff, yeah. like in some ways uh, this game does too, where it's like the ver- like the hardest part of the game is probably the first like half hour of the game, like, yeah. Once you once you actually have like even once you've gone into two or three houses and gotten some stuff. Like, you start to have some stuff to work with. You start to be able to build some things. You start to be able to get a weapon or two and fend That's, for yourself. At that point, it really does start to suffer from the same problem that a lot of survival games mm-hmm. have, which is that whole attitude of, well, I've got myself in a secure space. What do I do now? And right. and the, the thing is, is you really have to sit down and say... I gotta make a challenge for myself. I have to make this fun. Yeah. And if that's not something you're interested in, then 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 there's a chance you won't go for. Yeah, I, I will say that 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 tent, that was definitely where my last character died out was when I like once I got to the point where I was literally self sustainable with f- farming and and collecting my own water and I was bringing in water faster than I was drinking it. At some point, I was just like, well, I mean, at some point, my goal should be maybe to clear out every zombie in the town, but that's really dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um. If not impossible. And also on top of that. Depending it, on the game setting. Yeah. Um, generally with the default game setting, as long as you don't have the roaming zombies on, you can do that. Yeah. But um, that's where we get to the other thing, which is the fact that there is an end game that's not blatantly obvious. Oh, I don't know about that. Well, it, it, it's. Should we spoiler alert this? Uh, probably. Let's throw out a quick spoiler alert. I don't know how far we're going to spoil it, but. Okay. <laughs> no. 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 Uh, so what what happens in the later game is there's certain locations called uh, science facilities. Right. And if you do enough exploring, you can find ways to get inside the science f- facilities, and they're very dangerous. Yeah, you jump in through the top window, like in gun in gunpoint. No, there's no top windows. What are you talking about? You're crazy pants. There's a secure uh, card panel yeah, no, door, and you can you can either get enough in computer technology to hack the door. I was trying not to spoil it. <laughs> well, I mean, we're doing spoiler alert. Okay, remember. Um, uh, so and then and this isn't spoilers. You can find the science facilities pretty easily, right? Yeah. And but it takes late game stuff to get into them. And then mm-hmm. when you get into them, you can actually find information about the the story of the game and find out what you do next. Oh, well, obviously you fight Cthulhu. No. And the tentacles from the other dimension. No. Oh. No. Darn. No. You have to. Uh, you actually have to fight. Uh, who is that? Um. Oh, Kratos. You got to fight Kratos. Oh, of course. Because he's chilling out down there. That makes sense. So is Pennywise. You know, the whole crew. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> those two those two are always always, always kicking around. I saw It of War. Yeah. So. Or God um, of It. So. <laughs> wizard of It. Wizard of It. <laughs> He's an It wizard. There's got to be a... 
the, no, the, the just... cloud is a fink. No, I have no idea what you're talking about. The Wizard of Id, that was the punchline, was the king is a fink. Oh, okay. Anyway. I actually said the clown was a fink during my stream yesterday, too. I can't remember why. Hmm. Weird call. That's a weird callback. That is a weird callback. Go, go watch my actual live stream from yesterday. Yeah, everybody. actually, let's 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 go that far. That was a weird feeling. Um, go go watch Josh's extra live stream on Twitch and, uh, you know, subscribe to him. Call him Funny Names. Yes, call me Funny Names. But not, not Mr. Funny Names. Darn it. How about Senior Funny Names? You can do that. Twitch.tv slash K-O-H-O-L-O-S. Yes. Uh, what was I going to say? I don't know. What were you going to say? Oh, we were going to talk about cars. Oh, no, you're oh. going to tell me about the ending of the game. Well, I think that's as far as I want to go. That's I mean, fair. I mean, you, you go down into labs and you find and you out about like uh, more high tech stuff. And that's fair. And it goes from like trying to survive and, and like being learning that like the concept is, is that, <coughs> you know, you can't undo the apocalypse. Well, of course not. I mean, so there's, there's a point where you have to like kind of. So it's basically it. Walking Dead. Sort of. Okay. Maybe. Um, yeah, I will say that I, I actually remember, I think in one of my games, that actually might be the one where I had the really good run with the character getting all self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. I came across uh, four dead uh, soldiers yeah. out in the wasteland. Speaking of, well, that was high tech made me think of that. Um, and basically, I just stripped both of their uh, assault rifles from them and all of their uh, gear and um, that that goes a long way to making you very very powerful. Having oh yeah, a molly helmet packs and uh, bulletproof vest. Molly packs are amazing. I, I love know. molly packs. Oh yeah, so those were the, yeah I think I might have one of those because yeah. they have armor pockets for yeah. armor plating to improve your torso protection, and yeah. they have pockets that incre- increase your your storage capacity. Yeah, that's that's always my biggest problem is I'm always wearing like seven backpacks and then I can't kill anything because my arms well, can't move. Uh, what you have to do is just drop the backpacks, and I technically know. speaking, it drops the items in the backpacks. No, I know, but the problem is that. That uh, if you're wearing seven backpacks sometimes and you're being chased by zombies, it can take too long to take all your backpacks off. That's true. Um, yeah, that is actually one thing this game does well slash annoyingly, depending on how you look at it, is that it handles um, arm and leg encumbrance and torso encumbrance and such. Very, uh, it, it, It's very um, heavily weighted, literally, but I'm <laughs> because uh, the more weight and the more uh, clothing layers you have on, the more difficult it is for you to actually do things. And so if you're wearing four sweatshirts, for example, you're not going to have a very good time trying to stab a zombie, which is realistic. And it's interesting because the encumbrance is like location decided. Like yes. if you're wearing 20 pairs of pants, you're not going to have a good run speed. No. But- and, I can, and I can tell you, you know. I find that personally, I I have never been able to wear more than two sweatshirts and kill a zombie, so it's pretty accurate. Yeah, I'd say so. So, okay, I guess we can move on to cars. I don't like cars. Boom. Done. Okay. Also, I don't like planes and uh, that other Pixar movie. So, how do you like the... (laughs) (laughs) Boom! I don't know if you know this. Who is pushing whose buttons today? I can see that you've pulled out of this funk you were in. Oh, no. I'm definitely still in the funk. That's what I get weirdest. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, that's what everybody everybody knows that about me. Um, As we discussed earlier, if, if there is ever a zombie apocalypse, I'm going to feed you to them to keep them busy. That's true. That'll pull me out of my funk darn good. <laughs> As they pull the funk out of me. <laughs> Okay, moving on. <laughs> Thank you for that mental image. You're welcome. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I the car interface is the most obscure. Josh, what? Don't forget to bring the funk. 
Here. Anyway, um, no. The, so the the automobile system has to have the most obtuse, obscure, bizarre interface and and control system that I have ever seen. Because yeah, it, so you you crawl into the car. You yes. have to be in the the tile that is the seat. Yes, you have to press well, with the steering wheel. With the steering wheel. Well, yes. Um, it has control. Technically, there does not have to be a seat. There. It's it's a seat. That's well, the important part. It, it's actually an object called controls. Yes, you have to be in the controls. So, so who knows? It might be a couple well, of forks the, you stick up there, your there, nose. To well, no. Well, well, the, well, the two key points are a there don't have there doesn't have to be a seat there, and b there are a couple of objects that have multiple controls. Oh uh, yeah, tanks for one. Oh yes. So that's that's a, those are and uh, fire trucks, I believe. And and then so like once you take the controls and you start the car. Then things happen. You you wiggle the controls and then you move. Well, you 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 a have the have the option to start the car using a uh, key, or you can hotwire it. If it's a gas powered car. If yeah. it's a gas powered car, um, much much like the other famous Bay Twelve game, uh, Liberal Crime Squad, you have the option to either steal a car, or hotwire it, or, or uh, drive the car, or hotwire it. But um, hotwiring it usually tends to set off an alarm, which causes the zombies to come after you. So that's risky. Uh, but I usually have to because I've never found one that I can actually get the keys, find the keys in. Usually, usually if you're lucky, you could get in the car, try to hotwire it, get two attempts, and if it doesn't work, get out before any zombies come to you. But eh, maybe, maybe not. But then once you get the car started, I believe it's plus and minus to speed up and slow down. Speeding up and slowing down happens in certain yeah. increments of speed. Yep. Uh, it's usually like it's like five, 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 ten, 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 ten. So it's like five miles an hour, ten miles an hour, fifteen miles an hour, twenty-five, thirty-five, forty-five, fifty-five, sixty-five, and that's yeah. the same. And then it, you could break it like double that, I believe. So you could you could technically break it like from sixty to forty, forty to twenty. Um, so that's actually a- no, not even. Um, I think it, because what happens is 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 you press controls right, yeah, and then um you press the five key. It's the number pad up, right. down, left, right. Yes, on the on the D, on the number pad. And then you press five to just advance time to move. Well, you do that, but what I'm saying is, if you want to excel, if you want to like hit the brakes, you it's well, it's, that, but that's what you do is you just keep tapping the back button until it hits zero, and then the car will right, just but, decelerate at its most uh, fastest. Speed. Right, but what I'm saying is, it is it will it will take down by a certain amount of a certain percentage of speed each each turn. And, and that's actually dependent on the car. Right. No, because but, but, if right. you have big wheels with big brakes, then it will. Right. Slow what faster. I'm saying is, the, the the average car ticks out five five miles, five miles, five miles per tick, and then it's ten miles, ten miles, ten miles, and when it, it's cutting, I believe it cuts it by about thirty percent each 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 time you press the eight. Correct. Um, but the other problem is the, and while I sort of understand why they do this, because this does make sense. Drive steering the car is based on the orientation of is is orientation independent. So if no matter which direction the car is pointing, it's always eight to turn left, five to turn right. Yes, which is really confusing because the car is much much larger than you are. Is there is no really good way to tell what the front from the back, um, mm. especially in the ASCII. Maybe more so in the tile set, but in the ASCII, there's almost no way to tell. Mm. On some of the cars, you can, but on some of them, you cannot. Yeah, I guess it it's, is it's easier a bunch because of, I use the tile sets because the like the the headlights are white and the brake lights are red. Yeah, so there's there kind of idea. You, there there aren't necessarily even those like for some of them like those are obscured even by the symbol for tires. Like tires, you like override the front. Yeah, Probably. it's it's it's. Have, have you ever actually seen one of the ASCII cars? Uh a little bit. 
Um, you should look one up real quick because they I'm are looking. they are almost impossible to tell what they even are if you didn't know. like there are some where I like at first I was just like I thought they were like the first time I played the game I thought they were a glitch because they are just a vomit of symbols. Also on top of that, um, when you're turning the car, the whole like the body of the car rotates, but it it still falls into discrete tiles. Yes. So there are there. Okay. So it looks like the vehicle is like flowing around you, tile yeah. by tile. It's very weird. And there are times where you can actually be hit by a zombie because he's in a corner to corner adjacent tile yep. that's technically outside. Yeah. Yeah. There. I mean, there's there's that. Pro- there there are a lot of weird issues with cars. There's also an issue where you could freeze to death while driving the car if. The tile that you are in does not have a roof. Oh, the, if it's exposed to open air in any way, yes, you yes. can. You can get even a lot if, of cold. even if the even if there is a windshield and a roof and all the other tiles. If one of the roof tiles, is out, yeah, there's a lot of really weird stuff in that as far as cars go. And we'll we'll, we'll make this qualifier. It is one of the things that they are actually actively working yes. on the cars. And I mean, and obviously, like as with most roguelikes, this game is not like quote-unquote done like i don't know on the other hand they also haven't put out a major update in quite a while either so uh it's hard to tell but yeah i mean it's just a lot of it it's very obscure driving it is very confusing uh especially with the way that the cars shift and not knowing which side is like there, there have been several times where i thought the front of the car was the back of the car i've gone to try to turn and realized too late that i was going 60 miles an hour in the exact wrong opposite direction of where i wanted to be going and then you crash into a wall and you die. And it's just like, oh, crud. Um, yeah, it's just they're, they are unlike in real life where driving a car is relatively straightforward once you know how to do it. Uh, in this game, even once I know how to do it, I find myself constantly hitting things. Unless I'm going at about 30 miles an hour. Yeah. Which I guess, to be fair, in a zombie apocalypse... Uh, if there were a bunch of cars that just were abandoned on the side of the road, probably we would be going through it 25 or 30 miles an hour. Um, but I also wouldn't be trying to stop at every other house to get out and grab stuff either. I would just be driving away. Trying to find a safe spot. I would be, yeah, I would just be trying to find a safe way out of there. And again, I at least know the front end of my car from the back end of my car. Right. Uh, unless you're driving a uh, smart car, in which case, well, I don't, I don't want to know It doesn't you anyway. really matter anyway. Yeah, you, you, there isn't so much a front and a back as there is the knees or the butt, because that's where one of one or the other of mine are going to be. Yeah. Smart cars are not large. No, they're not. But yeah, the cars are like, it's weird because everybody else loves the cars. Like that seems to be the thing that most people love, like focus on the most about what makes that game different from other roguelikes. And for me, it's the part that I most try to avoid. Mm. Like, I, I had one really successful run where I got myself a truck or got myself a car and the trunk had 6,700 storage capacity. So I could literally just run into a house, grab everything, come out, dump it in the trunk, dump all my backpacks in the trunk, and I cleared out an entire street. And it worked great until I was about halfway out of the city, tried to take a right tur- a right-hand turn to go around a corner, accidentally hit the speed-up key, or, or, or was going slightly too fast, went Hit it three, hit the corner three times instead of, or hit the right key three times instead of two times. So I went at a 90 degree angle instead of an 80 degree angle and smashed directly into a tree, totaling my car. Nice. Um, and then had to carry all 6,000 uh, capacity of stuff little by little to the shelter. Um, I remember <coughs> with the, um, uh, the electric cars, um, it was great because I had a nice farmhouse that I was using to, as a shelter, I was going out finding resources. Yeah. 
Uh, and two things that were a problem with electric cars. One, they run out of power really fast, especially when half the batteries are gone. Yes. Two, um, half the batteries will go pretty quickly when you keep running into brush and it rips out parts of your car. Yes. Also, I will say, like, the, the point about the freezing to death is not – it's it's not the fact that you can get cold that bothers me. Because, yes, if you were riding in a car and the, and the roof was ripped off in the middle of winter – I mean, this, you know, this game starts in like March 8th, which, you know, early spring, early spring. If you live in New England, especially northern New England, like early spring is still fairly cold. Like it is still below freezing. So, yes, being cold makes sense. But the reality is like in the, you know, in the car that I was using, I drove one, two, three. I drove maybe 700 feet. Mm hmm. I drove 700 feet down the street, and then my my my, you know, if we're assuming that each tile is about the same size, and a house is about two is is one map tile wide, so you know your average house is probably 20 30 feet long. Mm-hmm. Uh, then my house is was th- my my shelter was 300 feet outside of the town, so I drove three quarters of a mile in a car. I don't care how cold it is outside. I'm not going to freeze to death driving a mile in a car. No. Um, so that was. I've never frozen to death in that game though. Uh, there were it, apparently the, apparently this particular part was a bug. Like they, it, it was a known bug. Like they fixed yeah, it in a later version. They, but they have been working on the the temperature issue. Yeah. It's really easy to get cold. So so I I can't necessarily hold that part against it. But that was that one to me was just like, how the heck did I freeze to death driving half a mile in a car, especially oh, wearing yeah. three jackets. Yeah. <laughs> Probably my my worst vehicle related issue was I was in an electric car because that's usually what I find. Oh, oh! I and remember. I, was, what, I remember what was the bug. What? So it, it had something to do with the fact that it treated it as, um, it treated your character as going the speed that the car was going, mm-hmm. and wind is and temperature is based on wind. Ah, uh, which which so means that it, bas- just- it, it basically was a stack overflow thing. It basically said I was like negative three hundred degrees. Oh yeah, that's one way to freeze to death. Yeah, I, I still remember one of my one of the fun things with with uh, cars. I was in an electric car and I was trying to take care of some zombies that were in yep. my way. And uh, you know, I got it, it is, to full it is good speed. for that. Um, with an electric car, its max <coughs> its maximum speed is about thirty five miles an hour. <laughs> Sounds about right. Especially when half the solar panels are broken. Because yeah. most of these cars have some level of damage. It's yes. very hard to find a working car. Although you can repair them. Uh, yes, you can. If you have the tools and the know-how, you can you can repair them. Get Put new battery yep. packs in. Put new solar panels. Hey, you can take an electric car and put a, uh, you know. A gas engine. Uh, yeah, you can put a 12-liter diesel engine on that thing. And it'll snap itself in half when you hit the throttle. Yeah. Um, so that, Literally. I was doing that. I got a couple of zombies and then I lost control of the car. I hit a bush and the game crashed. Yep. That, that also corrupted happens a the lot. save. Yep. That also happens a lot. Yeah. I will say the, 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 the two times I've managed to find a good car is it was all, it was <clears throat> like, it always seems to be either some major component is war is missing or you can find a good car, but part of the trunk. Actually, that was one of one of the uh, one of the cars I found. The trunk was fine, except one of the four things that made up the trunk. Because as we said, they are cars are multi-square things, and each square has certain components of it. One of the four squares that made up the trunk had a hole in it. Uh huh. So if you sped up, it was fine. But if you sped up and turned at the same time, it would cause certain things to jostle into the hole, and they would fall out the back. <laughs> Well, that's a good thing to know. Not until that happened. It was, yeah, it was really bizarre. Um, yeah, that there's a lot of like we talked earlier about how Dwarf Fortress has some bizarre interactions between things. Now, this game has them too. Some of them are clearly intentional. 
Some of them I'm not sure. Some of them are clearly unintentional. Some of them are clearly intentional. And some I can't tell. There's no way. Well, I I have heard because I, I used to follow the, the development log on this game a lot. And there are times when they've been like, was this intended? And they're like, no. And it's like, are you going to fix it? It's like, no, it's way too awesome. <laughs> yeah. No, and, 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 and I'm fine with, like, those oh, yeah. I'm fine with. It's, yeah, it's stuff like the freezing to death where it gets irritating. But yeah, yeah there's some but, where it's... You know, it's something that they're working on. Like, so. like the fact that, like, certain things can, like, climb through windows in weird ways. Or the fact that occasionally you will go downstairs and find a basement full of... Spiders. Oh, well, specifically, here's the thing. It's, it's this is this is one that I would say is technically a bug, except it clearly isn't, but it should be. Well, is spiders it, aren't bugs. Well, no, <laughs> no, but it's always a black widow spider. Black widows don't live in New England. I'm not 100 percent sure about that. They live in. They live in. Uh, I was I was actually looking it up the other day because I thought I had one in my bathroom. Um, they actually live in Washington and California. They live in. They they typically live on vineyards. Oh, really? So we don't have, I don't know about you, but I don't know, we don't have any vineyards right here. We have cranberry, uh, you know, we have cranberry plantations, but we don't have vineyards. Really? I'd love to go to a cran- cranberry plantation in the area. I mean, that's what have, they need to add to the that game. That far north, but uh, this far north, but uh, they, they have them, they have a lot of them in Mass and Connecticut. They don't have them all the way up here, unfortunately. We don't, we don't quite have the, we don't have the swamps for them. But you can go to the, you can go to the cranberry plantations of Maine or of uh, Mass and get some wine. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, Black Widows, we have brown recluses up here, but brown recluses don't make giant webs. Uh, technically speaking, they do. Widow spiders can be found in every continent of the world except Antarctica. Well, they're found in North- every continent, but they can't be, but they aren't found in the northeastern U.S. Hmm? They, they, they are found on the continent Black, of the U.S. In North America, Black Widows, commonly known as, uh, known as Southern, Western, and Northern, can be found in the United States as well as parts of Southern Canada. I don't know. I was looking at the map the other day, and it said they were not they were they were not found in the U.S. in the in the north in the Northeast. All right. Anyway, getting back to the subject at hand, uh, spiders. Uh, there, you can come across, uh, or, or it's they, they can be you can find them occasionally, but they can't um repro- they can't reproduce in the, in the north. No, fancy. So yeah, uh, there's a bunch of different stuff. What is that called? No, I can't think of its name. There is a creature that you can come across that actually makes noises. It, I guess it's like a crab-like, and it, it knows how to mimic sound effects that it hears. So there's one thing I, I've discovered: if you start hearing random sounds, like like you'll hear you'll you'll read in the notice section, you hear a klaxon sounding to the west. That's usually a bad sign. Ah yes. Oh, actually, you know what it is? What? Black widows can be found everywhere in New England except for Maine, New Hampshire, and Massachusetts, or Maine, Maine, New Hampshire, and Vermont. Hmm. So if if I guess this game we're just probably, a little too north. This game probably takes place in Northern Mass, so I will say that they can have black widow spiders. Sure, Northern Mass works for me. Um, which means that they do need to add cranberry plantations. Yes. Um, also, that would be that that would be a really I mean, they already have swamps. They could put in cranberries very easily. Mm-hmm. So uh, what else do we want to talk about here? Mutations. The game has mutations. Does it? Yes, it does. I have never found any. Uh yeah, that's that's late late game okay. content. I I have found them in most other roguelikes. I've definitely I've definitely definitely found them in Dungeon Crawl. <laughs> mutations. Oh yeah. I found them in Elona, which yeah, is a I game we will actually, never ever talk about except for this one second. So Elona. I don't even know what that is, but we'll. It's a roguelike. Okay, you don't like it though. You would like it more than I do. I oh, find okay. it tedious. Yeah, so actually, I think that the mutation system that they have from what they've discussed sounds a lot like what you would expect from D- 
Dungeon Crawl Stone Soup. Um, you can come across things that will cause mutations. Yes. But there are, in labs especially, yep. uh, you can come across the ability to self-inject with mutations that you hope will improve your ability to survive. You, you get bit by a radioactive slug and turn into slug man. Yes. Anyway, I think that's going to be it. Oh, for no, this. we were going to discuss whether this game is actually modal, and I was going to say it is not. Modal. Okay, I'm going to actually look into what that means again. Um, Why don't you define modal for me? So, modal basically means that. Every, modal nodes? Uh, no, it bas- so it's basically like saying that everything you do requires the same kind of time um, that, that all turn. That basically everything you do requires one turn. Um, so, like in, in, um, in Dungeon Crawl. Drawing a sword takes a turn. Stabbing at something takes oh. a turn. Eating something takes a turn. And in Dungeon Crawl, they, they mess with well, t- a lot time. Of and a rights rate. ignore that. Often it take they, they take discrete amounts of time, but I I would say in most in most well in in, in the traditional roguelikes, everything is supposed to take a turn. Okay. Um, no matter no matter any whatever action you take, except I think you know talking. That's, that's well, the, I mean, yeah, because t- technically, like if you read a book, right, it takes you hundreds of turns, right. So I well, well, taking taking sections of turns is not necessarily the problem, but there are certain things that also take like like an, an attacking turn is different from a taking clothing off turn. Like it, it can take you multiple turns to take off. Like, like in, in Dungeon Crawl, like taking off a suit of armor, like any suit of armor will always take you f- like five turns. Right. Whereas in Dungeon, whereas in, in, um, in, in Cataclysm, I almost call it Climax. Cataclysm, um, it will, you Climacism. Know, yes, Climacism. Uh, in Cataclysm, it will take, you know, certain pieces of clothing will take, like, it'll take like one turn to put on a backpack, which I guess seems reasonable. But taking off a backpack sometimes takes three turns. A weighted backpack will take like five turns. Like, it doesn't always take the same amount of time to do an action, and that is why I say it's not necessarily a modal game. Hmm. Um, like for me, like I can never really get a feel for how long it's going to take me to do something. Whereas I know that in Dungeon Crawl, you know, quaffing a potion is one turn, stabbing an enemy or, or atta- one attack is one turn, uh, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Unless I'm completely misunderstanding what that means. Yeah, I was wondering about that. If if that is what that means, then you're right. Uh, movement battle and other actions take place in the same mode. Every action should be available at any point of the game. Violations to this are Adams, Overworld, or Angbands. Oh, okay. Shots. So they're 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 what they're actually talking about then is the difference between like the then uh, that everything takes place in the same interface. In which case, I would still say no because the uh, because you have the crafting interface and the car interface, which are both very very different from. Yeah. Well, I mean, but um, wait a second. Let me look at this. No, because I mean, there's always the inventory interface, and that doesn't make a a, a roguelike yeah, but non-modal. I, well, no, I I would say specifically the car interface would would make it non-modal. Yeah, I guess the, the, the automobiles make it non-modal. Um, but the the or or there was another there was another one in the Berlin interpretation where it talked about time, um, or or discrete discrete turns or t- yeah, turn based. Every every command corresponds to a single action movement. The game is not sensitive to time. You can take your time to choose. Okay, that's that's the part. I mean, it is not technically ter- it is not technically sensitive to time, but the turns don't necessarily all feel dis- mm-hmm. discreet. Like it, it it actually feels a lot more to me like The Sims in the way that it handles time. Uh, it is. Here's one thing though: a single player character player controls a single character. The game is player centric. The world is viewed through that one character, and the character's death is the end of the game. That is one factor that I will say is a little different, mm. and something we should cover. Because the world can continue. You generate the world, right? 
and it's persistent. You can make as many characters to play in that world although, again and again and I, again. Although I usually don't just because if you do that, that also means that any, anything that they have moved will be in the place they moved it to. Yes. Which sometimes can be good, but other times can be really irritating. Like when you go in and you realize, oh, this evac shelter is completely empty. Oh, all of these houses are completely empty. Oh, it's all the stuff is over in that house over there, which has happened, just happens to be surrounded but by five Have you actually zones. ever done that before? Because technically oh, yeah. speaking, you started in a completely different evac shelter miles and miles away. Uh, not always. Not always, but most of the time. Uh, I, I have had at least two occasions where I've started in the exact same evac shelter. <laughs> Um, that's super rare yeah um well it was it was it was one it was one version ago so that might be why but yeah no i I ran into a situation where that happened and i found my old stash which is great except it was also surrounded by 500 zombies which was not so great um because i had gone out uh by shooting a bunch of zombies with a machine gun Um, (laughs) which is a great way to go out it's a great way to go out not a great way to keep things quiet (laughs) No, um, that that is what you call the the absolute final option. And the zombies were like, "What happened here? Oh, don't worry, we got him. He took forever to eat." <laughs> yeah, the the, the the loud the loud belchy guy was was especially difficult. <laughs> it's like he's made out of metal or something. Yep. All right, so that was all I have. Yeah, I think I think that's good. So, um, thanks for listening to us talk about this game that we've played many times uh if you're into a survival sandbox game and we should mention it is free oh yeah it is free uh it is also early access so not everything works perfectly um and it's, i don't even think i don't even like the term early access for games like this like i mean beta is more i mean roguelikes like preceded the concept of early access and it, since it's free it doesn't like in my mind early access applies something slightly different than this is no you're right uh, it's it's Unpublished. Yeah, I was gonna say it's it's yeah it's like beta it's like beta style type. It's it's a roguelike. You got if you know, if you've played roguelikes, you know what that means. And, and yeah, and it's one of those. It's the t- that type of game where it's kind of like they're always gonna be working on it. Always, yes. always, always. They're never gonna stop. I mean, yeah, it's free and it's made by volunteers, so it's just gonna. And and they and it also develops at a weird pace. Yeah, they they also encourage community uh, development. There's a major GitHub where people put stuff in, and there's a group of people who. Well, if they like what you've created, we'll merge it into the main yep. main stuff. And they also encourage modding. There's a bunch of really interesting mods. Someone's made some old-fashioned weapon mods. Uh, they have one that introduces dinosaurs to yep. the game. They have one that introduces... Oh, speaking or of... Or one that removes zombies or makes them slow, makes they have them one that makes them more fat. Well, they have one that removes uh, special zombies and just puts yeah. them in the mundane, which I, I actually like playing with. I think some of the really crazy... Like, I'm fine with, like, the police and fire zombies, but I think let's get into the really crazy ones. I'm just like, I don't want, like, I don't want boomers in my game. Yeah, that's um, true. Also, speaking speaking of played out, they also have one that adds the uh, animatronics from Five Nights at Freddy's. Oh, yeah, that one's annoying. Yes. Uh, also, like, speaking of... Also, We're going to have to talk playing. about Five Nights at Freddy's at some point. Like I said, speaking of played out, we've had our talk. There we go. Boom. <laughs> Boom. There we go. Done. We don't need to talk about it anymore. No, nobody, nobody cares about Five Nights at Freddy's. It was a stupid. It was a stupid game that just happened to be very, very popular for a while there. Yes. Uh, yeah, we can thank uh, Markiplier for that one. I think we can thank other people more beyond just Markiplier. But yes, yes. Um, no, that was that was. I mean, talk about viral. I mean, it it is just well, it is I mean, that, it is it is just you, like syphilis. You no 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 no. All right. Anyway. Thank you so much for listening to us. Suffer!
while Josh goes completely nuts and starts saying weird stuff and talking about circumcision. No! Goes Get completely no! nuts! No! Get your mouth away from that microphone. Already was completely nuts. And <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> if you have any questions, thoughts, or pitch ideas, please send them to us at spitball.sessions at gmail.com. Check out our writing and other articles at spitballsessions.com. We don't have anything there yet. We're going to be writing some articles, or at least I think Josh is planning on. Um, I have a couple. Uh, I might try to put together something. Uh, you can find me at twitch.tv slash thedrell or at thedrell on YouTube. You can also find my friend Josh here at twitch.tv slash koholos or at koholos on youtube but you probably should just avoid him because well you see why <laughs> i'd like to thank uh josh for editing the the podcast uh and not making any re- re- wrestling references this time around um and that's cause you were i wasn't that's because i wasn't hosting i was hosting the first half yeah, that's true. I'd like to thank all of you at home from listening to another exciting episode of Spitball Sessions. Tune in next time. Till then, keep your feet in the batter's box and your eye on the ball, because we'll have another hot pitch coming your way. Thank you for joining us for yet another fun episode of Spitball Sessions. We hope you had a good time. Please pay attention as you exit the stadium to make sure that you're not run over by any cars, trucks, or other moving objects. If you'd like to contact us, you can drop us a line at spitball.sessions at gmail.com or on Twitter at spitballsession. Please leave us reviews on your podcasting platform of choice so that other people can help find the show. Remember, we can't do this without you. And come back in two weeks for the next exciting installment of the Spitball Session. Remember, only you can prevent bad games. Slugger man, slugger man, does whatever a slugger can. Slides on slime, gets killed by salt. That's the only thing I know about slugs. Beast to edit. Anyway. Why are you looking at the walls? I'm, I'm, I'm not an arsonist. I don't <laughs> no, know what you're talking about. Anyway. <laughs> totally not the 12th apartment you've lived in. It's not, actually, sadly. No, it's not. <laughs> it's like the third. Moving on. You gotta give it It'll credit make your for being fall off. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh no, sorry, your nose fall off. It'll make your nose fall off. <laughs> Can we cut that part out, please? Alright, I'll cut the penis part. <laughs> yeah, please. I'll cut, the, cut that part too. This whole section, it's gone! We're done with it. Sorry, I, I, I have my audio briss right here. Your audio briss? We'll give it a, we'll give it a snip. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> it burns us! We'll give it an audio circumcision. No! You are a horrible person! And uh, This is where Josh passes out. I know, circular breathing. I actually don't. <laughs> I hey. used to, but my nose is stuffed up. And I will always pass out. You will when I'm done with it. <laughs> Good grief.
along with just a hint of minty freshness. Along with just a hint of minty freshness. Is that enough for you? No. <laughs> along with just a hint of minty freshness. Along with just a hint of minty freshness. Along with just a hint of minty freshness. All right, I'll put one of those in. No, we already saw the violence inherent in the system. And we'll march up on the White House and burn it down again. I forget how the rest of that song goes. Good, don't sing it. If you go to Washington, it's buildings clean and nice. Bring a pack of matches and we'll burn the White House twice in the White House. Burn, burn, burn. But the Americans won't admit it. It burned, burned, burned. It burned and burned and burned. It burned, burned, burned. Now that that made them mad. And the Americans ran and cried like a bunch of little babies. Wow, wow, wow. In the war of 1812. I hate you so much. Should I cut that part out? Yeah, you probably should. <laughs>